Welcome to Up Here Alone, a Starfield podcast where we share stories about our adventures in Starfield. This will be an introductory episode where we discuss our expectations of the game as well as our history with Bethesda. When I saw so many players were planning on journaling about their adventures in the game, and Bethesda themselves were encouraging this by selling an official Constellation journal, I loved the idea and really considered buying it, but I also know I've tried journaling in the past and I'm terrible at it. I'm not a journaler, I'm a talker. So I figured why not do a podcast where I talk about my adventures in the game, but the problem is I don't wanna do that alone. So I've asked my friend King Elfie to join me. King, thank you so much for joining me on this ridiculous idea. Thank you for having me. So I haven't actually asked you this yet, And I think this is kind of important before we kind of dive into everything we're going to get into today, just so I can have a good picture on where we're going in the near future. Uh, So you've you've pre-ordered the game, but did you pre-order the the premium edition so you can play it a week early? I did not. So I have access to it on September 6th, I believe it is, like most other people. I did get the, the early release. So... Uh, that's going to be interesting for our first official episode where we're talking about our adventures. I think it'll actually be funny. I think we'll have, maybe we'll plan our next episode to be after I have played it and you haven't. And I have to try to hype you up without giving anything away. (laughs) Oh, that'll be super fun. (laughs) Before we talk about Starfield, I want to talk a little bit about like our history leading up to this moment. So I'd like to know, uh, what is your history with Bethesda RPGs or just Bethesda in general? Um... I've played so many Bethesda games, so I, uh, for, for context, I believe I played both the Elder Scrolls and Fallout series before they were actually owned by Bethesda. Because oh. um, <laughs> when did Bethesda acquire them? Was it like Fallout 3 or something like that? Yes. Yeah, they, um, they yeah, Fallout 3. Yeah, so I played Morrowind, um, like, way back, uh, on my cousin's Xbox, I believe it was, um, <laughs> And I played Morrowind through Skyrim. I played Fallout 3. I played uh, New Vegas, which isn't technically Bethesda, but, you know, still Fallout. Um, and, and 4. <laughs> it, it counts. Yeah, it, it counts. Obsidian counts. Um, and then Fallout 4 and 76. I have a funny story about my history. So I, I bought... <laughs> so I bought Morrowind uh, not knowing at all what it was. It... It, it had to have been just a few years after its release because I found it, I found it in a bargain bin at Office Depot for like, I don't know, maybe <laughs> okay. five or 10 bucks. <laughs> and I just mm-hmm. picked it up and thought, hey, that looks pretty cool. Like at that point in my life, I had been a strictly Nintendo gamer and I had a friend in high school. Mm-hmm. This was for context in my life. This was, uh, this was somewhere around my, my last year of high school and my first year of college when this happened. Uh, but in high school, okay. I had a friend who got me into PC gaming. And so at the time, uh, I had only really ever played on PC Counter-Strike, Day of Defeat, Half-Life, and Diablo 2. And Diablo 2 was the closest game I had played to what Morrowind looked like. So I thought, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to get this out of the bargain bin and I'm going to take it home. So I booted it up and I was so confused. I'm like what's with all these weird giant mushrooms? (laughs) Who are all these strange people? And why is the game not telling me what I'm supposed to be doing? (laughs) And why do they hate the dark elves so much? What did they ever do? (laughs) So I literally, I I booted up Morrowind 
uh, maybe played for 15 minutes wandering around, couldn't figure out what to do, uninstalled it, and I think I even threw the disc away. <laughs> and, and I forgot about it. I didn't know who Bethesda was. I didn't know what Elder Scrolls was. So then, a few years later, I see Oblivion, same situation. It's on clearance or something. I bought it for 10 bucks because I thought it looked cool. And I take it home, I install it. Now, I'll admit I lasted longer in Oblivion, but it was still maybe an hour. I remember thinking, how did this no-name developer that I've never heard of get Patrick Stewart to, to voice the, the king? <laughs> I was so confused and I was actually kind of concerned, like what did Patrick Stewart do to get this gig? <laughs> Well, they did instantly kill him off, so... <laughs> well, and that was my other thought was, oh, well, they're gonna, they killed him, so, you know, hey, well, he just had, like, ten lines to record. So, I didn't understand what the games were, and, like, so if you don't have friends, and we didn't, I didn't really have much, there wasn't much in the way of internet back then, I mean, there was, but not like this, that you could just look up, you know, gameplay videos and stuff. Yeah. But I, if you don't have friends to explain to you, hey, here's why this game is so good, and what it is they're not great it's really confusing like the combat felt so floaty <laughs> yeah this whole tale is about a boomer who's always behind on buying gaming stuff <laughs> i bought and i bought an xbox 360 second hand from a guy on craigslist and i was in like a lull period in my pc gaming days so i bought this xbox and it came with some games one of those games was fallout 3. Ooh. now fallout 3 I was hooked immediately. I fell in love with it. And I put, I just sunk so many hours into it. And I'm like, okay, who, who is Bethesda? And I go and I look it up and I'm like, wait a minute. I've played. I've played these I, before. Yes, I know these guys. <laughs> I've played their games. I get it now. I see what I didn't see before. And I was like kicking myself like, man, I would have loved these games had I understood what I was doing. So then by the time I was done with Fallout 3, Skyrim was announced. And the rest is history because I got Skyrim on release and I've bought it three yep. or four times since then, you know, on different <laughs> things. I think we all have. <laughs> exactly. Same story as everybody with Skyrim. So, but since Skyrim, I've gone back and played Morrowind and Oblivion a little bit so that I could appreciate them a little okay. bit more. And, and New Vegas, although I am one of those people and it's partially because I played Fallout 3 first. I prefer mm. 3 over New Vegas mostly because of the setting. I've been to DC a couple times. I've never been to, okay. uh, to Vegas. So like DC is way more interesting to me. That's fair, that's fair. Though I do get like the actual like gameplay of New Vegas is a, on paper way better. Yeah, for New Vegas, I, I did like it more because of the freer gunplay. You weren't like totally reliant on VATS anymore. Yeah. And um, actually funny story about the gameplay when I started playing Morrowind. Um, <laughs> So like I said, I played on my cousin's Xbox first, but what I didn't know about that, he played all of his games inverted, and he did not tell me. Oh no. And I just thought, why are these games controls so messed up? I played the first probably three hours of Morrowind in absolute agony with <laughs> inverted controls, having almost never touched a console before. <laughs> it was terrible. That's hilarious. Then he told me about the inverted controls and I hated him for like a week, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is funny though, when when control sticks first came out, everything defaulted to inverted. And at some point there was a switch because I remember at first preferring inverted because it, it made sense to us because we were we were so used to playing with joysticks on because I remember playing 
oh, what was it called? There was an old first person like spaceship shooter game and I can't remember what it was called. My brother would remember, but you you played it. We bought a cheap little joystick and we played it with the joystick and that was the only way to play it and okay. it made sense. And so it's funny there for, I don't know, five years of my life with a, with a control stick on a controller, <laughs> it made sense for it to be backwards. But then as soon as the industry shifted, my brain, for whatever reason, had no problem shifting. Yeah. So I was like, okay, maybe this is better. Well, it just makes sense. You click right, you go right. You click left, you go left. <laughs> so why can't up and down be the same? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's broaden this question a little bit. What is your history with like space games in general? Okay, so I have an interesting history with uh, with space games in general. So... I, as much as I hate to say it, I have not finished The Outer Worlds yet. I really want to, haven't gotten Neither around have to doing it yet. One of these um, days I will. <laughs> it is a fantastic game by, I believe that's Obsidian too, isn't it? Yes, yes it is. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it, I just haven't found the time to finish it. Past that, I bought, <laughs> unfortunately, I bought No Man's Sky right when it came out, which was <laughs> um, a, a bit of a... Uh, you know, a rock on the road in terms of my space journey. Um, <laughs> Boy, what a, what a Cinderella story that game is. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's great now, but yeah. when it started, I remember drifting through empty space for about five hours before uninstalling the game and regretting spending my money. Um, <laughs> hey, well, at least it only took up, like, I don't know, like eight gigs at first. I mean, it's still not yeah. a very large game, exactly. but, it, you know, at least it wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just remember thinking, oh, I just got paid and I spent, like, $80 of it on this game. Oh, no. <laughs> But uh, before that, I didn't play too many space games. One game that I do specifically remember from my childhood, though, because my dad played it so much and he got me into it. I don't know if you've ever heard of Master of Orion. No. Oh, it was it was an old game. It was like a space strategy game where you would like take over different planets and solar systems and everything like that. It was kind of like a uh, space civilization almost. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I played that so much. Man, I'm looking it up right now. I don't. It doesn't even look familiar to me. It was such a good game. I enjoyed it so much. I have also played No Man's Sky, and I did not buy into it so soon. I bought <laughs> into it later when it was starting to get good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> good. And so, so it was. I was more confident in my purchase. But I also. So at the time, though, I had been playing a lot of Elite Dangerous. I have lots of hours in Elite Dangerous. I love Elite Dangerous. It, despite the horrible decisions they've made recently, <laughs> the core gameplay of being a space trucker is just divine. It is so well done. Okay. And so I didn't buy No Man's Sky for the longest time because I thought to myself, I don't want to play it if it doesn't have joystick support. Like I've got a whole joystick <laughs> throttle set up for Elite Dangerous. I want that in No Man's Sky. But then I figured out that's not really what No Man's Sky is about. And so I got it and I do like it. I I don't love the gameplay loop of it. And I, I think the one thing I don't like the most about it is there's no, as far as I'm aware, no one has corrected me on this yet. There's no like humanoid combat. Like all combat is Space flying related, drones yeah and yeah and so like that just doesn't interest me at all like i feel like there should be some i don't know and there's a new update coming out or just out called echoes i think i don't know if that introduces it maybe but the day they introduce that i am hopping back into no man's sky buddy oh absolutely <laughs> yes It'll just be i'll so play great. that with you <laughs> yeah 
so, and then I've also, I'm also uh, a Star Citizen player. Uh, I have played just enough Star Citizen to know that I'll potentially never touch it again. <laughs> I got this new PC and I was like, wait a minute, can my new computer run Star Citizen? You know, it's like the new, uh, uh, what was the old game that can it run? Oh, um... Something with a C. Uh, yes. Uh, oh, why am I blanking on it? <laughs> can it run Crisis? Crisis, um, Crisis 3, that was it. Star, yeah, Crisis 3, yeah. Can it run Crisis 3? That's the new Can it run Crisis 3? Can it run Star <laughs> Citizen? And it can, and it runs it really well. And buddy, it was a lot of fun, but it is a bit much for me. It's... That's fair. <sighs> All right, so on to the Starfield hype, what we're really here to talk about. Uh, I've got, a, I've just got a few questions to kind of chat here. We're gonna talk about some some good things we're excited about, and I also wanna talk about some concerns we have. So first, I wanna ask, uh, what are three things you're looking forward to doing or experiencing in Starfield? For Starfield, I have tried to do as little research on it as possible Me because <laughs> I I want to be surprised. I want to get that same experience that I got when I went into Skyrim and Fallout 4 for the first time. I want to be surprised by everything. I don't want it to be ruined. So one thing that I'm really hoping that they have is spaceship customization. I think that would be such a fun mechanic and... I like if they don't have it fair enough it seems like it would be pretty complicated but I desperately hope that they do you are you are I thought I was pretty blind and my, my viewers have lasted my, my YouTube viewers have, have laughed at me because I've made comments saying I'm trying not to look anything up and then in the last month I started looking some things up just some things here and there <laughs> but you are so much more blind into this than I am so I'm yep. gonna kind of rephrase some things I was about to say <laughs> Oh, you you can uh, you can tell me anything that you've seen if you want, but okay, uh, okay, nothing's yeah. gonna be huge. Nothing is huge. But yeah, um, that's one thing I'm definitely looking forward to. Um, I also really hope that they bring back dialogue options as like a more central focus, kind of like in uh, Fallout Three in New Vegas, as well as what they did in uh, in No Man's Sky, as opposed to like the uh, the four option, you know dial wheel that Fallout 4 had. I still didn't yeah. mind that, but having those extra options for dialogue and ways to direct your story in different directions was just one of the things that made Bethesda games so amazing. Yeah. And in terms of a third thing, I, I'm really just excited to have a good space game. Um, <laughs> as, as you can tell from my history with space games, uh, a lot of them have started out pretty rocky. Um, <laughs> so I'm hoping this one will just be good from the get-go. The, f the first thing I wrote down on this list for me, and it's been so hard because I know it's out there and I know they could release it. I just want to hear the soundtrack. Oh, yes. So the soundtrack is by, I'm probably going to butcher it, but it's Einan Zur. He did Fallout 4. He did the Dragon Age series. This dude. Ooh. Yeah. He's also... And I think this is really interesting because I would have never thought of this as being a like thing that people do. If you go look him up, he's done a ton of like movie trailers. Like he did the music for, and, and let me clarify, he didn't necessarily write the music, but he definitely arranged the music for the trailer, which is which is a skill set in and of itself. But, I, yeah. but we're talking The Hobbit. Really? Uh, some Harry Potter movies. He's done some big trailers. Oh, this is high profile. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, and I've played Dragon Age Origins and a little bit of Inquisition. I love mm -hmm. all that music. I really love the music in Fallout 4. 
Oh, Fallout um, 4's music was great. The thing, the thing I love in Fallout 4 is I think it's an accordion sound, but he mm-hmm. almost it almost sounds like a hurdy gurdy. Uh, (laughs) You you know what a hurdy-gurdy is. If you don't know what a hurdy-gurdy is, go look it up. They're fun instruments. Most people know what they are now thanks to uh, Sea of Thieves. (laughs) But it sounds almost like a hurdy-gurdy. And he he just does a great job at using these really unique instruments. So I'm really excited about that. And, and, And to be honest, I have realistic expectations because Elite Dangerous has the greatest sound design of any game I've ever played and the greatest music of any game I've ever played. If Starfield can just be half as good, I will be ecstatic. I do not expect it to come anywhere close. I don't think anyone ever will. Uh, Elite Dangerous is just that good. So I'm really excited about the soundtrack. I'm really excited to kind of just take it in. I've, I've, I've been dying to listen to it. I've been putting together uh, Spotify playlists of, oh, it might be music like this, so I can just kind of <laughs> get in the mood. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So the other thing I'm excited about is there is ship customization. There is, and yes. It, it looks phenomenal. Oh, I'm excited now. We're ta- I, like you're adding rooms, you're adding uh, engines, you're adding weapons. You're, oh it's, no way! It it looks really cool, and it's it's a really neat interface. A lot of people are are comparing it to like <sighs> kind of like Kerbal Space Program. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like a Kerbal Space Program setup, and almost it almost feels like Legos in a way. Like everything's just kind of <laughs> clicking and popping together and stuff. I I like it. I am really excited to get out there and like. So actually, let me jump to my third point, and then it'll kind of come back to this. But the third thing I'm excited about is the post-story gameplay. I've heard mm-hmm. like, it, and I hate this cliche because I'm a, I'm an MMO player, and it's a cliche in MMOs for people to say the game doesn't start until your max level, which uh, is just a lie. I hate that, but yeah. in, in I understand what they mean when they say in Starfield, the game really. I think someone phrased it as the game really opens up after the story is done. Like, not that it's not open before that, but at that point, you're really free to go do whatever and there's a ton left to do. I mean, Skyrim wasn't so different. Yeah, exactly. Post-story gameplay where I can just be, like, working on perfecting my ship. Like, I hope there's things where I'm like, oh, I've got to go find this exact part. So I've got to go to this type of planet to find this type of oh, that'd be so creature. Cool. I don't know. Whatever it might be. Go find a trading rig in space or something. Yeah. And okay, so finally, let's close out. Hate to close with a negative, but we got we got to cover our bases here. What is one thing you hope doesn't happen while you're playing Starfield? I think the biggest thing that I hope that doesn't happen is a bunch of stuff that is blocked by like uh, kind of like a creator club style thing. Oh, so yeah. if uh, yeah, if if they go kind of that route with uh, with their newer games. I really hope that doesn't end up blocking storylines or dialogue options or anything like that. I, I have high hopes for it. I I really don't think it'll happen, but I've seen enough people online concerned about it that it's kind of crept into my brain. Oh, yeah. But other than that, I really don't have that many concerns about it. It, it hits all of my checkboxes for what a good game should be right. in my mind. So I'm thinking it'll go pretty well. I, I actually completely agree with you, and I think... Anyone who's like, well, but Bethesda's known for releasing buggy games. Yeah, and then it gets fixed and patched, and those things that don't get fixed or patched, they're, the modders will fix it. Like, I, yeah. I'm not worried about that. But I did yeah. think of one thing that I am worried about, and that is <laughs> how they handle humor in the game. Because I feel like 
in Elder Scrolls and especially in Fallout, it's easy to have humor that doesn't like stand stand out in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like in Skyrim, we had Cicero and we had <laughs> Mike the Liar, right? There were a lot of yep. really funny characters that didn't take you out of it too much. I'm worried that with a space game, there there I need them to either go really intentionally uh, focused on the humor and the timing and maybe not too much of it and just have it be really good, but in very small spurts or none at all. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want them to go in between. I kind of worry that they're almost going to, I worry that like someone might say, Hey, let's do something like borderlands, you know, let's do, let's put some borderlands type humor in there. And like, that just would not fit to me. Yeah. None this type of game. Uh, when I think space, I think more serious because like when you're in the vacuum of space, like everything is a life or death decision, basically. Right. And sure, you can put some humor into there, but uh, like, for example, like you said, a handsome Jack like character wouldn't fit like that. That worked in Outer Worlds because the game was designed to be that. Exactly. It was meant to be very satirical, tongue in cheek. I mean, look at the whole the whole getup of Spacer's Choice. It's not the best <laughs> choice, it's Spacer's Choice. Like, the whole thing is built to be that. a comedy. Starfield is clearly not built to be a comedy. And I'd rather it not be a comedy than try and fail. Absolutely, I 100% agree. And yeah, going back to a point that you had before with the, uh, with the bugs and everything, personally, I think that's part of the charm of Bethesda games is seeing what kind of bugs you can find and how funny they are because even if they steer away from the comedy, like if they go like nearly 100% serious, you can find comedy in the little things that happen in the unintentional bugs that are in the game. Like one of my favorite things in Skyrim is the horse bug at the beginning of the game yes, where the horse just yes. goes like on a hinge and <laughs> swings back and forth. <laughs> I like, completely It wasn't intended agree. to be funny, but it is. Right, and I, I actually had the same experience in Cyberpunk. Like people T-posing in Cyberpunk, I thought <laughs> that was hilarious. Oh yeah, me too. I love T-posers. And and in my mind, it was just kind of like their computer chips fried, and they just got stuck that way. <laughs> and you know, I could I could explain yep. it. Exactly, you can build your own narrative. Well, I think that's about all we have to talk about. All that's left to do is to wait. Uh, so at the time of this recording, I'm less than a week away from pre-release, and you're uh, just under two weeks two. away from release. <laughs> so my condolences. Uh, but I'll, uh, I'll, we'll, we'll have to schedule a, we'll have to schedule a recording for the next one, uh, just so I can get you hyped. 100%. I do want to make sure everyone knows, uh, if you're interested in any of other projects or channels, I'll have links in the show notes. Uh, King, thank you so much for doing this with me and feeding into my, uh, crazy ideas so much. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Kyle. It was a ton of fun. No problem, man. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.